Hello and welcome. I'm the Believer. And I'm the Skeptic. I got it right this time. You did! Yeah. I'm so proud. We had a week off. We had an unplanned week where we were dark last week, but we're back in full force. Yes. And uh, we have taken the time to record some episodes because we are going to be away. So yes. we needed to do a bit of a backlog. We did, yes. We needed to do a little bit of a backlog. And so we've got this episode coming out, which is like technically a week late. Mm-hmm. And then we will have like a, a little unique episode for you the week after that. Yeah, where we're going to do something <gasps> together. <gasps> what? Together. We're hearkening back to episode one. Except this time it won't be somewhere that we've both been. No. Also, episode one was still you informing me. Yeah, I guess. This time we're going to be together. Together. <gasps> together. <gasps> God, we're so annoying. We are so annoying, <laughs> but it's fine. But yeah, um, where are you taking me today, honey? Where am I taking you? Yeah, Naples. Naples. Ooh. Yeah. I'm taking you to the really exotic state of Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Arkansas, U.S. of A. Yes. We're gonna get so much hate for that. Well, it was a joke. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good one, but it was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, let's take a sip. Okay. Are we good? Are we done? Are we good to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah, we're good, I think. Arkansas. So I'm taking you to a, to a little town in Arkansas called Eureka Springs. There is an entire TV show about that. Eureka Springs? Yeah. There is? Yeah. What is it? I don't know it. No, it's just that it's a TV show about a place called Eureka where everyone's like super smart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard like of it. They're all like geniuses in their own individual fields. Oh, I've literally never heard of it. Is it on Netflix or something? No, it's like super old. Oh, okay. How old are we talking? Probably early 2000s. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe. Oh, okay. Goodness. Okay, that's really old. Fair enough. Ugh. Yeah, I feel so unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> but that happens like every time we mention anything that like shows our age. Mm. We're both like, eh, death. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Take this back. So I'm taking you to a place today called the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Okay. It's a big old haunted hotel. Okay. Originally, the hotel was built in 1886, and Spooky. it was... <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I came into this episode like, I've been told I interrupt you too much. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. And then instantly, my sass was like, do it. Do <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. The spooky 1886 Crescent Hotel. Yeah. So it was built in the apparently spooky year of 1886. Yeah. And it was built initially as a luxury hotel. So you know how a lot of places are like, it was a manor house or it was a hospital or whatever. But this place was built as a hotel. Luxury. It was. It was like a luxury hotel. It was like a luxury hotel. Well, it was one of those like health spa things. Oh, okay. So it has like a sauna and like... Well, I don't know that in 1886 it had a sauna. (laughs) saunas are ancient yeah i know but like it was built as so the the reason that the place is called eureka springs is because it had hot springs so what's wrong with the sauna well because it wasn't like saunas weren't really part of it it was like you bathe in the hot springs and they heal you magically with their powers minerals yeah (laughs) the body craves those (laughs) minerals salt salt yeah sulfurous yeah (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so the natural springs were basically said to have, like, relaxational and rejuvenating properties. And in this period of history, like, all throughout the kind of Victorian era and, like, into the 
Edwardian. Edwardian, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, into the Edwardian era, lots of, like, fads were kind of going around about, like, hot springs and the fact that they could heal you and, like, people that were sickly would go there in the hopes that they would, like, be more healthy and it was, like, a whole thing. You wanna know what helps people be more healthy? What? Getting away from the rivers of manure required to <laughs> run the Victorian and Edwardian era. <laughs> like, actual rivers. Because mm. there were so many horses and horses poop. <laughs> Do they now? It's so much poop. So much like, poop. Like, imagine if there's like one horse per every four people and there's like 50,000 people there, right? Oh, That's God. over 10,000. There's over 10,000? Yeah. Yeah, it's over 10, it's like 12,000 horses. And horses poop a lot. Horses poop multiple But there times were more than 50,000. Just imagine, like, hundreds of thousands of poops everywhere. Yeah, and, like, all on the main roads. It was a very stinky place with a lot of... A lot of disease floating around in the, the air. Whole... So you know what makes you healthier? Going to small towns where they don't have <laughs> rivers of poop. <laughs> so even if they don't have magical healing abilities... They have then... clean air and poopless streets. Yeah. Anyway, so that's why sewage works are very important. Respect your local bin men. Carry on. <laughs> that's my PSA for today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've, I've taken us off on a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's fun my anti-poop brand. <laughs> I love horses. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm a big horse fan. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> yes, but it was used for like going away to heal up and yeah. Recuperate. Hot springs were, as I said, like a very fashionable like healing kind of thing mm. to have around people like people who had long term illnesses like TB and things like that. They'd be like, I'm going to. Like take the waters. I and can't things like imagine that. that getting wet lungs is good for TB. Yeah, but they were like, I'm going to to take the air and, and have the waters or whatever it was. You know when I'm taking the air? Yeah. When I give birth. <laughs> the gas and air. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was also thinking like that's also a Victorian um, like invention, by the way. Gas and air. Gas and air during birth. Oh, good. Queen Victoria was like famously known to say that the whole process of bringing children into the world was far more pleasant when one couldn't remember it. Yeah. She's like a swell lady. <laughs> She's a great mum. Yeah. Mm. Notoriously bad yeah. mother, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, she once really, this is my last tangent before I continue. She once really famously said that she very much enjoyed the act of creating children, but not the act of bearing them or raising them. Wow, yeah. wear a condom. She was like, I love sex, but raising children? Nah, mate. I yeah. don't enjoy that. Wear a condom. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and everything in between. Another PSA for today. Cryptids and cool kids. I like that. That's fun. Go on. So, as I said, very, very popular, as you can imagine, with like the upper middle and the upper classes. Whilst constructing mm. the main building of the hotel, we have our first tragedy. <laughs> It's not even built and we have a tragedy already. Have a trip already. fall and hit our heads or is it spookier? Uh, so there was a stonemason known only as Michael who fell to his death. Oh, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mikey fell to his death and despite everything, they were like, mm, we'll just carry on building. Yeah. Where, where did he fall to his death? Was he like on the scaffolding? He was on the and, scaffolding like, the like, okay. as they were building the hotel and... It was exactly outside the point where there's now like a guest room of the hotel, basically. So he was on the scaffolding and it was directly outside of one of the spots where 
there's now like one of the guest rooms of the hotel. Okay. And he basically just tripped off the scaffolding and fell to his death. So it started out really, really well. It had really good luck from the good start. Good job. Okay. <laughs> so the local Eureka Springs Times. This is a, such a like faff like a of newspaper. a faff of a name of a newspaper. It's the Eureka Springs Times Echo. Right. Uh, called echo, it Echo Echo. A A A. That was a bad joke. Uh, the Eureka Springs Times Echo called it America's most luxuzuck, luxurious resort. Luxuck. <laughs> Go again. <sighs> Take three. The Eureka Springs Times Echo, which was a no- local newspaper, <laughs> I can't speak today, called it America's most luxurious resort hotel when it was opened. And it had like an enormous grand opening. A newspaper that would benefit from it opening. Yeah, doing right. well called it luxurious. Yeah. A shocker. So it had 78 rooms in the hotel and they were all like very high-end rooms. It wasn't like... Gasp. <laughs> Le gasp. Yeah. It wasn't like they had lots of like gradients of rooms. So you know when you like, you book like a, a B&B. I and... not. No, like so, um, you know the ones that are like really often used for like conferences and stuff like that? Mm. And they have everything it's from... It's between first business and... They have everything from like the standard single room to... The double standard single room to the standard prince room, the standard queen room, the standard... You know, they have like loads and loads and of different yeah, okay. variants. all luxury. No they choices. were all luxury rooms, yeah. Do was... the best or do nothing. Basically, yeah. Do the best or you're Except not this rich one, enough to be here. slightly less expensive because of the... <laughs> exactly <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't say anything yeah it offered very large airy rooms with exquisite furnishings dining rooms that once seated over 500 people and outside amenities that included a swimming pool and a tennis court a croquet field beautiful landscapes and flower gardens like big broad walks gazebos it was extremely luxurious as a broad hotel. Walk? Uh, like or board walks board walks Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. There was uh, an invention, which is like the treadmill, basically. Yeah. You know the ones like if you get the airport? Yeah. There were those for some boardwalks that were done like in the times of yieldy wooden steam. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They That's had like cool. basically like treadmills, but that would take you places rather wow. than make you exercise. Gosh. <laughs> along like really long boardwalks and stuff. And they were like, the people that walked on them were like what powered both sides. Oh, that's so cool. I so love that. So if everyone just stood on them, it didn't work. That's so cool. I love that. But the thing is, as soon as someone went to walk on it, it yeah. worked. That's cool. I really love that. But yeah, um, I don't know if they were everywhere, but they did exist. <laughs> so for a while, it was like a, like an unmatched hotel of the time. It was exceptionally luxurious, but obviously that's extremely expensive to run. Yeah. And it... And it's in Arkansas. And it was in Arkansas, in a really tiny town in Arkansas. And so it went bankrupt. Real fast. Real fast. From 1908 to 1924, it was utilised as the Crescent College and Conservatory for young women. Okay, did that go bankrupt as fast? Yeah. Faster, like I said, from 1908 to 1924. Oh, that's a decent-ish period of time. You know, like four years or less, like, was it Nick Cage? And also, yeah... (laughs) Nick Cage when he bought the LaLaurie mansion. He was like, I would like to buy this extremely expensive piece of trash. Oh, I'm bankrupt. Oh, no. And also when it was... Oh, um, no. I think one of the reasons that they managed to like, keep it running for quite a while was that during the summers, it would continue to be like used as a resort. 
the women's college. Mm. But I mean, you gotta consider that that's only just over like 10 years. It's not a long amount of time. It operated for like 16 years, like I said, just over like 10, 15 years. But because of its size and the constant renovations that it needed, the revenue from tuition and the summer guests wasn't high enough to maintain the costs of running such a large building and it closed. Um, it sat abandoned for like six years and then briefly reopened as a junior college from 1930 to 1934, but then it shut down again. Four years, much less. Yeah, much, much less. Nick Cage style. Yeah, Nick Cage style, exactly. It had a Nick Cage style reopening and then it closed again. There were a lot of different owners, like kind of in between these points as well, but no yeah. one ever really had the revenue to keep it running. Yeah. Then we get... I really want it. I really want it, but I don't have the money. Yeah. Then we get to someone who did have the money. Who is this? is where it gets dark. Okay. Because this is when it was turned into a hospital, and we all know what happens at hospitals. Oh, God, none of the hospital murders. Great things happen at hospitals. Place. Okay. So in 1937, it was bought by a man called Norman Glenwood Baker. Entrepreneur banker, radio personality, wannabe politician, and total fucking charlatan. Radio personality? That's a new one on a banker. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay. He had all of these different jobs, and basically it just boils down to the fact that he was like a total shyster. My favourite fact is that he stole his snake oil recipe from another charlatan. You mean like the Fiji mermaid? Yeah, he like didn't even create the recipe for it himself. He stole it from another charlatan, which is just my favourite thing. Perfect. I'm like, wow, you ripped off someone else who was ripping off bullshit, you know? I mean, if someone is ripping off <clears throat> bullshit successfully, rip away. <laughs> exactly. In the middle of the depression, he turned it into the Baker Hospital. He claimed... Specifically only for bakers. He, yeah, it's only... Treats burns it's only a burn the unit, yeah. It's a burn <laughs> unit and like a place where people who have breathed too much flour into their lungs go. Which is actually very dangerous. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Because in the early 1900s and late 1800s, mm. white bread became popular. And it had arsenic in it, didn't it? And they had to put things in it to make it white, like Fuck. lead and arsenic. Oh my god. And asbestos and plaster. That is really lovely loaf of poison! Yeah, and white bread became really popular because it was white, which was pure. But obviously that meant putting very dangerous chemicals in it. That is no longer what is in white bread, by the way. Um, At least not in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and obviously that was like killing all the rich people, which was... That's not good. Yeah, Capitalism can't, can't function like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, sorry, I, I, don't, I, I digress. It was definitely not just for bakers. They did not treat a burns unit with hot springs. So it was like primarily a cancer unit. Okay, tell me about that. So this guy, do you remember what I described his job history as? Banker. Radio personality. Banker, radio personality. Wanna be politician? Wanna be politician. Nowhere in there does it say doctor. No. He had no medical training whatsoever. Right. At all. Okay. And yet he was like, my hospital and I, we can cure all diseases, even cancer. You know there's like specific laws around cancer that there isn't about any other disease. Yeah, I know. Like, claiming that you can help with cancer mm. is... Like, the only snake oil that's banned in the current day and age. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, the slogan of the hospital, do you want to know what it was? I fix everything! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it. The can he fix it? Yes, he can. <laughs> no, but I love it as well. The slogan was, where sick folks get well. Okay, that's, it a, good, that's a good slogan for It should have been, where sick folks go to die, really. 
Oh. Yeah, it didn't turn out very well for anyone that went there. The hospital really quickly gained a lot of notoriety for his claims that he could cure literally any disease and for his very unorthodox practices, the most famous of which was something that he called Formula 5. Formula 5. Yeah. The snake oil. Yeah. AKA snake oil. Yeah. Is that Chanel? (laughs) Chanel number, I mean, formula number five. Spray a bit of perfume in their eyes. Go, go, go. I'm a bit terrified to know, like, what was formulas one through four, you know? Well, there is a famous trick of, like, calling something a later number to make people realise that there were previous editions and think that it's more developed than it is. That's very clever. Yeah. Maybe he just... Well, maybe the guy that he ripped it off of did that. Because he didn't make it. As I said, he had no medical qualifications whatsoever, had never practised as a doctor, and his Formula 5 was stolen from another con man. Hmm. As you do. Because why work hard when you could work smart and steal another con man's fake formula? Yeah. There's a reason that all, like, the con movies and things have, like, established names for cons. And it's because why would you invent something new when you can use something that works? Yeah, exactly. So he advertised miracle cures that required neither surgery nor painful extensive tests. And the Baker Hospital alleged that its patients would walk away from the resort cancer-free. Cool. Yeah. He'd even been... Did any of them actually walk away? (laughs) Not really. Oh, wow. He'd even been formally convicted in Iowa in 1936 of practicing medicine without a medical license. Okay. But because of the, like, lack of universal news coverage, like, he moved from Iowa to Arkansas and it just didn't follow him. I don't actually know how far that is. American geography is not taught. I'm not super sure, but basically, like, he crossed state lines and everything back then. Just disappeared. Local newspapers and things like that, so he just vanished. There was no, like, TV news and stuff like that. You know, people didn't have access to that thing, those kinds of things at their fingertips in the way that we do now. Like, a guy in Italy does something wrong and you can hear about it in Ukraine. Like, it. Interpol. Yeah, it's like. You chose the Ukraine because of topical, right? No, it was just one of the first things that sprung to mind, but oh. probably because it's... Topical. I was thinking about Dr. Dink, because you said it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking of, like, two places that are, like, culturally and geographically very Quite far, far apart. Yeah. yeah. But obviously here, he just, like, hops state lines, and he, like, yeah. vanishes into the mist, you know, Whee. with his Formula 5. Yeah. He must have been doing pretty well for himself, shysting, because, <laughs> <laughs> because he bought this fucking hospital. Yeah, yeah, okay. clearly he was doing well. So his Formula 5 was nothing other than alcohol, glycerol carbolic acid, ground watermelon seed, corn silk, and clover leaves. For luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And it was administered to the site of the cancer by injection up to seven times a day. Oof. Yeah. Like, he says that it's pain-free, but also having seven injections a day is quite In a lot. In the same site as well. In the same site as well is quite a lot. Also, to, like, the reason that injections and vaccinations hurt a lot more than like getting your blood drawn for example is because they have to puncture all the layers of your dermis to go through to the muscle to inject it so like that seven times a day is quite kind of painful you know especially like you said at the same site like that's a lot at least you'd always be able to locate it where so where where is your cancer my massive bruise yeah exactly it's in my massive bruise as you can tell you see that big red bruised patch on my skin it's there the one multiple holes i was gonna say the one with all the needle marks yeah this is only the seventh time you've injected me today you should probably know where my cancer is by now so yeah it was bad 
Patients that came to Baker's Hospital were promised that if their cancer wasn't cured in three to six weeks, they could return for more treatment free of charge except for board, room and transportation. So, honey, I I hate to inform you of something. Yeah. I think you're doing the fake stuff. (laughs) Don't worry, there are a bunch of ghosts too. Okay, here we go. Mm. A haunting. (laughs) I'm ready. Go on. Sorry, continue. Get there. Yeah, so this is all like stuff they've taken from court documents. Yeah. Um, the medical examinations at the hospital consisted of palpating the patients and pinching them and looking at them. So they were super thorough. So it was basically like a witch test. Yeah, they were just like prod, prod. Yeah, I you got, at you. You got cancer. Stabby, stabby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they were clearly, as I said, very, very thorough. Um, his facilities didn't contain like a single microscope, basically. You know, like nothing even you remotely. You test. Yeah, why do we need everything. to test? I I poked you. I know exactly what's going on. Even if you don't have cancer, I've already cured you. <laughs> and if you do have cancer, my miracle drug will cure you. So I don't need to look and see what kind of cancer it is. <laughs> he also offered. You're basic. <laughs> He also offered guaranteed cures for less dire conditions like hemorrhoids and varicose veins using the same handful of ineffectual injections regardless of the disease that was being treated. Cool. So he was like, I know that you've just got like varicose veins, but I'm going to inject like ethanol straight into your veins. I don't think that helped. I don't think that helped either. There was a rumour that for a very long time... Whenever you entered Norman Baker's hospital, you would see all of these bottles of, like, supposed tumours and human flesh in them, and that he would display them to make himself look like a real doctor. After the hospital was shut down... You know what always makes me think that people are real doctors? Having just, like, specimens all over your wall. Yeah, having, like, chunks of human. Just being... (laughs) That's such a horrifying phrase. I hate it. That's what it is. I'm just being like, look at all the things I've taken out of people. It's just, like, an eye on the wall, you know? It should just be a row of wallets. (laughs) <laughs> and then a jar that just says hope mm. and a jar that, that just was says dire. life <laughs> go on um, so yeah when the hospital was shut down all of these specimens were removed from the buildings but decades later a guy named Keith Scales the <laughs> actor and baker expert told the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette that he'd heard that they were taken to a dump site in the 60s and in 2019, there were two guys that were in the middle of like an enormous project, like documentary about Baker. And an enormous stash of old glass bottles were found buried in the woods near the Crescent Hotel. Lots of them were broken. Some were like still filled with alcohol and some still had small bits of unidentified tissue floating around in them. Okay, so he didn't even bother disposing of stuff. He was just like, to okay. the woods! Yeah, he was just like, into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. No, from like into the woods. Why wouldn't you just say into the woods? Yeah, because I don't actually know of it. That's the only part into of the, the song woods. that I know, and it's just from TikTok. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. I'm surprised. Yeah, we should watch it at some point. Okay, we'll cut that. The thing that annoys me most about this, yeah, is that eventually what got him locked up was not like everything that he'd been doing. It was charges of mail fraud. And he was only locked up for four years. Do you want to know why it was charges of mail fraud? Do tell. Because he would write fake letters from dead patients and forge their signatures. Right. To send them to families to be like, I'm doing so well and I'm getting cured. And then he was like investigated and found out for mail fraud. And he was only locked up for four years and then he was released. 
So it's like a like an Al Capone dealy. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna get to the ghosty woesties now. Yay, spooky. So the first one, one of the ones that's super common, is the pregnant Crescent College student. The pregnant Crescent College student. So when is it this was like a, a Mary deal. Mary deal. Yeah. No. When when it was a school, there was a student there that got pregnant. Okay, by a ghost. No. Not by a ghost. Not by a ghost. No, this story is already <laughs> less interesting. Sorry, yours is better. Mine is better? Yeah. Your story is better. The ghost usually appears in room 419, because that's where the student threw herself from. Okay. And, like, jumped to her death. But did she not want to be pregnant? I don't think so, no. She was only, like, 15. Perhaps they should have made abortions available. Maybe. That's gonna have to be cut. Yeah, it is. So yeah, she usually appears in room 419, which is where she like threw herself from, basically. Okay. And it's... Is it also where the guy fell? No, that's a different room, but I do have the room number written okay, down. Okay, okay. Yeah. So she is usually seen like either standing Whee! in that... Yeah, either standing in that window, like crying or like standing in the window looking out. Like, Sorry, that felt down very disrespectful the edge. that poor woman. Or she is seen falling from the window. The reason I said we is because our... Uh, darling believer flapped her arms like she was flying <laughs> and so i could just like immediately imagine like special effects and benighted ghost <laughs> plummeting you know what i really love benighted the, the word benighted that's a great word <laughs> you're welcome i'm shakespeare now i love it i love it okay thanks will um she's been spotted by patients and guests alike okay um, Patients? It's still a hospital! No, it's not still a hospital, but as in, like, oh, she's been okay. spotted. <laughs> she's oh, I been hate sp- when that happens. She's been spotted as early as when it was a hospital. Okay. So then there is another woman, a nurse named Theodora. Okay. So she was a nurse from the hospital, um, in the hospital, sorry, from 1937 until it closed mm-hmm. in 1940. So she was only there for three years, but she was, like, one of the sort of head nurses. Um, she haunts the same building that she attended and is still said to be obsessed with keeping the rooms tidy. So Mm -hmm. guests will like go into their rooms and reported and report that everything has been entirely reorganized when they specifically like put do not disturb signs on the door and like asked maids not to come in. Mm -hmm. Um, she's also been spotted in room 419. Okay. So she has been like spotted around various places and often like is obsessively tidying and cleaning. Which I find kind of hilarious and a bit adorable. Can you steal a ghost? No, I don't think so. (laughs) You want the ghost to come clean our house. I mean, like, if she exists, I'd love a free... Yeah. Non-suffering person. Just be like, thanks, Theo. You're the best. Yeah. Do you need anything, madam? You know. So then there's Michael the stonemason. It's Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. Silly Mikey. Silly Mikey. And apparently he was like a massive flirt. Hey. He was in massive flirt and Does that is that eighteen eighties code for pervert? No, it just means like a okay. genuine like so a lot of the stonemasons that they brought over were from Ireland. I don't know why. I I don't know why, but that's okay. just what happened. And he was a very like apparently cocksure, flirty, like Irish cheeky chappy boy. Okay. Um and now he spends his afterlife Forever trying to romance the guests of room 218. Okay. You, I don't know if, if you can feel this, listeners. 
but can you hear that she desperately wants to do a terrible Irish accent? No, I really don't. Not on air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why t- 218 is where he died. Yeah, so he's like, you know, he you died. know who I want to romance? The mm. people aboot my corpse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's like, I just want to bring smiles to people's faces, so I'm going to try really bad pickup lines and flirting. Okay, so they just, what, they're lying in bed and they're like, and they hear, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I think essentially, yeah. Okay. They'll be like... But Irish. Yeah, but like Irish, Irish Fonz, you know? Irish Fonz? Fonzie, that's where that's from. What? Hey, how you doing? That's Fonzie. That's like a TV oh, character. I love you so much. It's ripped straight from like the Fonz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even doing... I love that you did it without even realising. Yeah. No, I was just doing, like, the stereotypical Joey Tribbiani. awful, awful... Tribbiani. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I was just doing, like, the awful, like, bad, worst pickup line. That's I just, love like, it. A noise. Pew, pew, yeah. A noise, pew, um, pew, finger guns. But yeah, yeah, guests will just report, like, hearing things and hearing, like, someone say something flirty and then turning around and there's no one there. Well, good. Which is, like, a bit creepy, but also kind of entertaining. Yeah. So then there's Brecky, who Brecky. was... He's like a four-year-old boy who was taken up by illness when it was a hospital. What horrible parents named him Brecky? I think that was like a nickname. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just, just so you know, Brecky is short for like breakfast. Yeah, in the UK it's Which short is for why breakfast. I was like, no. I'm pretty sure that it was short for Breckenridge, which is even worse. I mean, it's a posh person name. I guess, yeah. But to be able to afford the place, it had to be a yeah, posh person true. name. So Poor Brecky. This kid is like super playful and cute though. Aww. He's a really cute ghost kid. Not a mean kid. ghosty. So he photobombs tourists who are like trying to take selfies and photos and snapshots and things. Okay. Um, and what he, does Brecky look like? He's just like a little four year old in like Victorian like shirt sleeves and shorts. Right. Um, and he always wants to be where the kids are. So he'll like find groups of kids and like want to play basically. Um, and lots of kids who are guests at the hotel have seen him and believed that he was just another living child and then be like, no, mum, I'm playing with my friend. And then their parents are like, there's no one there. Mm-hmm. And they always report to their parents that he lives here at the hotel. Right. He's said to have curly blonde hair and he wears... But kids have been like, he's the kid with curly blonde hair and he wears weird clothes. He plays with the ball with me. Right. Yeah. Okay. I can tell that you're like, it's just kids with active imaginations. No, no, go on. Yeah, so that's Brecky. Then there is a nurse So, seen... so far there's sad lady with no name. There's the the pregnant girl. Yeah. There's nurse Theodora. There's There's Flirty Mikey. Michael. Flirty Mikey. There's Brecky, the playful four-year-old. And? There's a nurse, like a nameless nurse, who is seen pushing a gurney through um, the third floor corridors. Okay. Just like for eternity, pushing a pushing a gurney around. Do we think that's also Theo? I don't know. It could okay. be. And then, apparently, in the annex entrance, um, which is like a point on the tour where people repeatedly and without warning will pass out, and like get really dizzy and like throw up. Right. Um, and it's directly above where the old morgue was. Okay. Um, there have been like classic orb sightings, anomalous photographs, um, <clears throat> and things like that. And then the last ghost that I have for you is a guy called Dr. John Fremont Ellis. 
the hotel's in-house doctor for the late 19th century, so when it was still a, a hotel. Um, he's often seen around or his cherry pipe tobacco is smelt near his office, which is now room 212. That's all my ghosties for ya. Okay. Okay, okay, I can I can get behind like some of those making some sense. Yeah. I like I like the falling lady, I like Mikey. I enjoy the story of Mikey the flirty ghost. <laughs> I find him quite entertaining. Yeah. yeah, I mean like those are both traumatic deaths that would link you to a place, yeah. you know. I can also understand in theory like a child not passing on. Because not done playing yet. Well, it's more like you die so young and you don't understand what's happening or what's yeah, happened. Okay. Yeah. Especially if you were like ill and unwell and stuff like that, you mm. know? Like trauma combined with like not understanding and things like that. Like four-year-olds aren't really old enough to process the concept of death. So yeah. I can just like see that. I, I, can, I can see that for a couple of like different things. But again, I'm like, go on. <coughs> Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So, for me, Mm -hmm. here we go again. Here we go. It's a case of, like, this, for me, so Mm. far, has been the only one where I've been like, I can see lots of these things. You said that about a couple of other ones, though, as well. Well, no, but I've always been like, this doesn't make sense for me, or this doesn't work Mm. for me. Okay. I was like, this is bullcrap, this is a massive reason for this, this is this. Yeah. I will say this about the morgue thing. Mm. And the, like, orb thing and the passing out and the yeah. that sort of stuff. So that is a classic example of the, the frequencies. Yes, so they have, have tested that. And I think that they have said that it is, like, a hotspot for those, like, high-frequency things. I nailed it then. So buzz, that, buzz. I believe that has been disproven. But, yeah, they have seen, like, lots of actual full-bodied apparitions and stuff I'm fine as well. With, well. I'm not fine with the ghosts, because I don't believe <laughs> them. But, you know, I'm, like, I'm fine with the other ghosty stuff. I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff. But above the morgue, I was, like, the sickness yeah. and the passing out and the nausea and all of that, that immediately vibed to me. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, like, the frequency stuff. Especially where it's, like, an atrium entrance as well. Like, mm. it's very... It's, like, architectur- architecturally prime for that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. 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 That's me. That's you. Yeah. Okay. Take me to Naples. Okay. (laughs) So, Naples, famous for ice cream, pizza, and plague. And being where my family is from. Okay. Yeah. American of you. (laughs) So, I'm garlic mayo. I'm aioli. (laughs) Just so you know, Naples' patron saint Mm -hmm. is a man named Saint Januarius or San Gennaro. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. San Gennaro is not magic, not blood. Okay. Yeah, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, I, I'm just going to listen to the story. No, you um, have a question, do I? Yeah, I do. Is this like a guy who faked his way into being sainted? No. Oh, okay. It's a guy who apparently had actual miracles happen to him and then they faked his saintly blood. Oh, no. Okay, so they were like, I've got a relic. There are multiple relics involved. Oh, God. Okay, here we and go. And some history. Buckle up, kids. We're going to start we with go. the history, as usual, <laughs> with me. So, San Gennaro is a saint of both the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Church. Oh, okay. okay. Is the... that unusual? I think so. Okay. That's so, cool. So for the same person to have that cross... I mean, there is a, there is crossover, but it's it's not always. Okay. So, do you know who Diocletian is? I know the name, but I don't remember. He was a Roman emperor, right? Yes. 
Yeah. So Diocletian's reign. Wait, wait, I have a question. Yes. Was he a Roman emperor fairly new to the advent of Christianity being the prime religion of the Roman Empire? And he's one of the ones that started really like persecuting Christians, right? He's the one, two technically emperors before the f- Constantine. Oh, okay. He was alive at the same time as Constantine. Right. I believe. So. Did he... If you let me get that, it's called Diocletian's Persecution. Ooh, So okay. he persecutes the Christians for the first time. Right, okay. Well, obviously more than that, but it's like a big thing. Yeah. I thought I remember The reason we're talking about this is why San Gennaro was created as a saint. Okay. Because I would like to explain that it's considered what his blood can do as a miracle. Okay. Yep. And... If we explain what actually happened to him, why they gave him his sainthood, what he did in life, and then what his blood is supposed to do, even if you don't believe the science and stuff like that, you can decide for yourself whether or not that makes sense. Okay. Because I like to try and build in all that stuff. I don't like to immediately be be dismissive Hmm. and various things. And I target all the supernatural, not just ghosts, but all of it. Diocletian was responsible for a couple of famous things. He split the empire into the rule of four where each quarter had a co or junior emperor. Because originally he split it into, like, east and west. Yes. And he had the Rome side, and someone else had the the Britain side. And then he... And they they were co-emperors. And then he split it into four, where there were two junior emperors as Mm -hmm. well, who had north and south. Okay. Um, And that's the rule of four. Oh, wow. And then there's the other thing he's really famous for, called the Diocletian Persecution. Oh, no. Which spanned technically for... Seven plus two, nine-ish years? Okay. 303 AD to 312. I think wow. it's AD. Yeah, it's AD. And uh, what it had within the Diocletian persecution oh, no. was edicts rescinding Christians' legal rights. Yeah, I remember this from uni. I like specifically remember doing an essay around this kind of stuff. Okay. And reading about, like, did he... I want to say he, like, burnt Christians? So I'll, I'll get to what happens to them. Oh, no. But one of the things I found really interesting is that he purged them from the army. Oh, interesting. If you were okay. Christian, you weren't really allowed to be in the army. And it was a proper don't ask, don't tell, but much, much worse. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you didn't leave the army under Diocletian's persecution, mm-hmm. if you were, if they were like, you're a Christian, your choice was death. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't a choice. They, they punished you depending on the, on the yeah. precinct. Because so some parts of the rule of four of Rome mm-hmm. would be like instant death. Right. If you refused to leave. Okay. Or there would be, like, different punishments depending on how much they disliked Christianity. Right, okay. There was death or potential loss of rank as punishment for being Christian. I mean, I think I'd know which I would pick. So just... (laughs) But it's not a choice. I know, but what I'm saying is, like, you've got to fucking hope that you live somewhere that's like, I'm just going to take your rank, not your life. Yeah. And so they burned down churches, they seized wealth, they burned religious artifacts and scripture, they banned assembling for worship as well. Oh, okay. It was, like, really all out. Um, They were not allowed... So the other thing was that they, because they, like, basically changed their rights as citizens, Mm. they made it so that they weren't allowed to speak against accusations in court. So if they were like, you're a Christian, they were like... Well, I guess I am because I'm not allowed to say anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Fucking hell. So if you were accused of being a Christian, it automatically stripped your rights of being able to defend yourself against being a Christian. But if you were a Christian, you could be like, I'm a harmless one. And they'd be like, be quiet. You're a Christian. So they can't even... They cannot speak for their own defense in court. But what if they accuse you of being a Christian and nothing's been proved yet? Is that just not how it works? They're like, I accuse you of being a Christian. And you're like, but what if you I'm not speak, a Christian? Yeah, you cannot speak for your own defence. 
Yeah, it was basically oh like... Oh my God. Yeah. So again, this was not upheld everywhere, but Diocletian yeah. was real mad about it. Wow. <laughs> but also like, quick tangent, what a way to like beat your opponent down in court if you're like, no, I think they're going to win this. Um, you're, a um, um, you're a Christian. It has to have gone through official channels, I believe. You can't just like in the middle of a completely <laughs> different court case be like, yeah, but he's a Christian. Yeah, but like, I, I know that he didn't steal my pig, but I'm gonna, I really, okay. really want the money for this. So he's a Christian. A little bit far away from sainthood. So, <laughs> so what they tended to do yeah. was essentially offer people a choice. It was okay. take the punishment, which was sometimes loss of rank, sometimes death, depending on the... <laughs> but like, <laughs> like Lots of different things. Um, or it was to make a sacrifice to the gods. Right. And Diocletian okay. really liked the the Roman gods. Mm. Not just like... Because Rome did like have different it types of It assimilated lots yeah. of other people's yeah. gods so and things like that. Diocletian yeah. really loved the Roman gods. So you had to make it... But he offered this to the people who were arrested. Who at first and foremost were the priests. Oh, and okay. And the reason he did this was because what it was essentially do is when you arrest a bunch of priests of a very like monotheistic religion and then turn them into what in their mind is an apostate. Yeah. It completely like undermines takes the sting everything. and out undermines them. Yeah. So the choice Weird. was basically become an apostate under your own church for everyone or suffer the punishment of the region. Wow. Holy crap. And that's like, it was, it was a really big deal. Basically. Yeah. If you did die, if you were to be murdered, it was usually a quick beheading. Oh, okay. It was not like the default wasn't lions. The default wasn't burning. It was literally yeah. just, Cut their heads Shriek. off, be done with it. Uh, however, less... Shriek. And that was usually actually a privilege to have yeah. your head cut off. So Especially it may have been like the standard, but it was the standard for the wealthy. Was it like by sword or axe? Because obviously that makes that a big difference too. That was not mentioned. Oh, okay. Uh, but I imagine it was probably by sword, given that it's Roman. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it was beheading. It's not mentioned. Wow. Oh, okay. So the less high-ranking citizens would be burned alive. Mm. crucified Oofed. or given to the beasts oh crikey okay. which is the three things that better I fucking hope you're rich mate yeah so back to san gennaro okay san gennaro apparently made a sort of underground railroad for persid christians oh okay per persecuted <laughs> so san gennaro made a sort of like underground railroad for persecuted christians okay in somewhere called benevento which is where okay. he was a priest. Uh, he hid them and helped them escape uh, to different parts of the empire, which refused mm -hmm. to actively persecute Christians. Because there was one that was basically like, yes, this is the law. Mm. Blank face. Yeah. So he like basically helped a bunch of Christians get away from being murdered and yeah. having their property taken and things like that. And he was in Benevento for a while and then went to Naples. Okay. And Naples is where he ends up. Okay. For a while. For a while. For like many, many hundreds of years, lol. Not his living self. Just just his blood. Yeah. So a friend of never his, which is another saint, incidentally. Oh. Is Saint Sosius or Sosius, S-O-S-S-I-U-S. -S -S Great name. Was arrested for being Christian. No shit. Yeah. He was. He was arrested for being Christian. He wasn't a saint at the time. <laughs> he can only be... But he was another, like, priesty person. What do they call it when you make someone a saint? Sainthood. You know, like, what's the process called? Oh, I don't know. Well, like, you can only have that done, like, after you're dead, can't you? I don't actually know. I thought... You I can't thought be made a saint people... in life. Ah, oh, is that to prevent be... you becoming unsaintly? I don't know, but, like, you can only they be made really a saint. They have to really make sure. Yeah, you can only be made a saint after you die. I feel like you should, can only be retroactively knighted, because look at the amount of people that were knighted in the BBC and then all that stuff came out. Right? <laughs> 
Anyway, but it's anyway. like with um yeah. with Mother Teresa. Yeah. They like basically the minute that she died, they were like, right, start that process. Yeah. Because of like who she was and everything she did, they were like, no, we just want to make her a saint as soon as she dies. Yeah. Saint Sosius is what I'm going to call him was arrested for being a Christian. So mm-hmm. Gennaro and a couple of others snuck in to see him. And of course that meant they were then instantly arrested for being Christians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Then others protested their being arrested. And they too were arrested for being <laughs> Christian. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so legends say that this group of people, St. Socius, Gennaro and some other priests and the people that protested were to be burned alive. Right. Now, St. Gennaro, San Gennaro and his priestly friends prayed the whole time as they were being burned alive and emerged unharmed. Of course. Then all San Gennaro men... is actually the mother of dragons. Yeah. <laughs> so San Gennaro, which and his St. Socius and the priests and the people who protested were seven men. Okay. And they were then fed to, to be fed to beasts, but they were fed to bears, not lions in the, in the arena. Why but does that make a big difference? Because obviously there's the thing about the Christians being fed to lions and it was a lot less common. Oh, okay. Uh, than you think. And a lot of these sort of like Christian martyrdom. So a really interesting piece of like marketing for Christians at the time was essentially martyrdom as yeah. like saintlyhood. Like it's martyrdom like what we talked is... about with um, St. Ludmilla. When she was like, oh no, you've come to kill me, but can I just like get on my knees and pray for a second? Yeah. And so... They were fed to bears, but the bears apparently refused to harm them. Of course they did. So this is another two instances. This is two instances which is considered like quite saintly. Yeah. And then they were sentenced to a beheading. Mm -hmm. Someone else protested this. And can you guess what happened to him? They got arrested for protesting because they were Christian? Arrested, beheaded with the rest of them. (laughs) So eight men were died to save St. Socius, basically. Christ. So he, so in like summary, his like, this is, this is why I'm saintly, is that he did a real life helping of an underground Christian railroad. Yeah. Also, Benevento at the time was very pagan. Okay. So he, he was involved in like trying to Christianize a very pagan area. Uh, okay. He did an underground railroad. He was, was unharmed by fire or bear. Yeah. And then finally got his head cut off. Schlicht. Which I think is a pretty good shout at sainthood, right? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can understand why. Except. Oh no. The earliest mention of him ever in like recorded history that anyone can find mm. is 120 years after his supposed death. Oh, interesting. Okay. So apparently they passed the parcel, the bits of his body between Neapolitan catacombs, Benevento, where he had his first like priesthood, right. then to Mont... Oh God. <laughs> Monteverde? Virgin? Help? I don't know. Uh, his head was removed in Naples and okay. rediscovered many years later. Right. So when it was rediscovered, apparently, is in 1480? 1480? So... That's a long-ass time later. Yeah, so he's he's first mentioned in... Like, he's killed in the, in the Diocletian persecution, which yeah. is in very early 300s. Yeah. His earliest mention is over 120 years later. And then his... Stuff is rediscovered in 1480. Right. How do they know that it was... How do they know it's his head? Well, because of, like, records or something. Like, that wasn't... I couldn't find that. Oh, okay. Now, we're going to get to the blood. Right. So. Right. The blood of San Gennaro. Yeah. There was a rumour that a woman named either Eusebia or Eusabia, and I'm presuming this is, like, a Europe... Like, Latinizing verse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to refer to her as Eusebia. Okay. Saved an ampule 
of the saint's blood just after his death. Okay. Right. However. I want to know how she collected that. She just like, she's always head about to get schlicked off and she was like, quick, put the, put the amphora under the thing. Afterwards. Ampule. But yeah, and she, apparently she did that, but there are two ampules now. Okay. Now, I've written next to this number one, because for me, this is the first, like the next thing is the first reason that it's a bit dodge. Mm -hmm. The first issue with my fake stuff is coming up. Yeah. And that's in 1382, a chronicle describing in detail the cult of San Gennaro mm -hmm. and its practices mentions neither the blood nor any miracle. Right. So the very okay. first chronicle of the cult of San Gennaro doesn't actually mention the blood anywhere. And it's meant to be like his cult as well. And it's his cult. And it's like... Wait, so when you say it doesn't mention any miracle, do you mean anything associated with his death and other like surviving multiple things? Uh, like no, that's... it doesn't mention a miracle to do with the blood, nor oh, does it mention any of their ritual, and it doesn't mention the blood itself. Right, I see. Which... Sorry. And that's in 1382. Right. Yeah, seven years later, the right. blood melts. Now, the blood is in a physical form. It is in the ampules. Because it's coagulated, And right? coagulated. Yeah. And... And then it suddenly melts. And sometimes, apparently, it liquefies. That's the term they like to use. Right. Okay. So, there were weird rumours the first time it melted that carried on for, like, nearly 200 years or so. Okay. That the melting, the liquef liquefaction yeah. of the blood was to mm -hmm. do with the fact that the saint desperately wanted to be resurrected, but that slowly evaporated as an explanation. Right, okay. So they were like, this blood is liquefying because the saint is ready to come back to us. Right, okay. And that was like the prevalent theory for quite a long time. Okay. And then it just like faded away really fast because right. they were like, well, it's really not going to happen. But I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So the miracle is supposed to be that the blood of this saint liquefies to signal good luck and safety for Naples. Right. Because obviously Gennaro is the patron saint of Naples. Yeah. So, three times a year, the sealed vials are held up to show that what's in them is solid to the crowd. Three times right. a year they gather a crowd of thousands and thousands and, and thousands. And now? Yes, to this very day. Right, okay. Yep. I've got a modern example as well in here. Okay. They hold it up. And they show the crowd that it's coagulated. Yeah. And then they put it back down, they pray, and it liquefies. Right. Or doesn't. So they watch it liquefy, liquefy, or watch it not liquefy before they're Actually, eyes. and this is the bit that I was a bit like, mm, about. Dodge. The blood doesn't have to liquefy immediately. It can take up oh. to two days to liquefy. Because that's and not I've got this, sus um, at all. According to some sources, does up to a few days later. That's not suspect at all. They're so just they're like, like, oh yeah. no, it's it's fine. It'll happen in like the next twenty four hours. Yeah, or like forty eight. Twenty four to forty eight hours. We're not going to keep fine. it in in full view for forty eight hours because that might like prevent it from liquefying. Yeah, but um, so yeah, they right. they pray over it and it may or may not liquefy. Right. So sure, sure. The blood mm -hmm. is kept in a bank vault, yeah, which is like kept safe by like notable members of the community yeah but the bones which are considered to be his relics mm -hmm. are kept in like catacombs and and, and like church safe right place. so the evidence for it being a miracle is <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm so done and i feel i feel all right saying this because i don't like to crap on anybody's beliefs but yeah. i do the fake stuff and i cover all supernatural i'm yeah. not just like christians know this no yeah that. exactly okay. So the evidence for being a miracle is that it changes from a solid to a liquid through prayer with the artifact. That's their thing. They're yeah, like, like no it can change state. It, right? Oh, we'll get to that. That is oh, okay. Just I'm so excited. It has the ability to predict disaster by refusing to liquefy. Right. 
One example of this being the 1980 <clears throat> Irpinia earthquake that killed 3,000 people. Wow. It refused to liquefy. Mm. 